The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week The holiday shopping season is here So it's time for Bubble Genius's Can't Catch Me Gingerbread Man Soap It's a big-ass soap sculpture shaped like a gingerbread man That you can enjoy without it going right to your thighs Unless, of course, you're washing your thighs. Scented with a yumalicious gingerbread fragrance, all the decorations are soap, too. Added almost five ounces, it should last you a good long time. Only $7 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll save 15% off your entire holiday order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now let the cartoons begin. And God bless the United States. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. What do you think the greatest gift of the holidays is? Internet? I'd say internet. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, of course, as easy as it's always been. You get an iMac, 10 minutes out of the box, you're on the Internet. But now Apple gives you uh, your own personal website. You can post your photographs for all your family to see all over the world and your iMovies. <laughs> And now you're the purveyor of, you're the generator of, you're the author of great stuff. Bob Seska. Hi, this is Patrick Swayze wishing you the best for a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The Bob Seska Show. You know, the uh, the opens get weirder and weirder and weirder as we go through the holidays. I know, I know. That was drunk Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> if you haven't seen that uh, in person, if you haven't seen the video, go to uh, YouTube and look up uh, drunk Jeff Goldblum. Classic, holiday classic. Oh. Well, hi, everybody. Hi. Hello, Bob. Hi, Rachel. Uh, it is... Thursday, December 14, 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I'm Bob, and we're brought to you by the best soap in the world. It's Bubble Genius. Still time to do holiday shopping at Bubble Genius. Uh, so much to talk about today, too. Uh, without any further ado, let's do this. Diving in right now with Jackie Schechner. Hello, world. is the news that she's bringing. Come on, get Jackie. Trump Crisis Day 329. Yes. Jackie with the strep throat. Hi. <laughs> I am the queen of strep throat. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I've got a bunch of stuff going through my head right now. You got Patrick Swayze. Yeah. You got gingerbread soap. <laughs> you got drunk Jeff Goldblum. I mean, we're like all over the place here. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm not real sure where to focus. <laughs> the, the holidays on the Bob Seska show right? are just that weird. Who, 
Did you uh, get into the eggnog early? What happened? <laughs> the, dr- the drunk Jeff Goldblum is like a holiday tradition on the show. Every year we've got to play Jeff Goldblum from whatever, 1997, talking about making <laughs> iMovies, which oh is just God. Which the actually made me think about my first computer. Uh, I had the 2SI. That was pretty epic. And that had to be back in like 95, 96, 97, like around that time. Because yeah, I have pictures yeah. when I first moved to Hagerstown, Maryland. Oh, my God, Hagerstown. Sports reporter. Yeah, no, I'm, I have pictures of my uh, my makeshift furniture, my like Walmart Target furniture <laughs> with my <laughs> Mac 2SI sitting on it. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, was, I, that, was a, that was a highlight of my life, with particle your, board furniture. Yeah. Right, with your Mac. And did, was it a special color? Oh, wait, no, it wasn't an iMac. It was Mac. beige. No, no, it's no, it's the Mac beige. 2SI. It's yeah. that beige. Yeah, it's that, that <laughs> beige. Lame. Yeah, that was cute. You could get, it was a dial-up modem. You could get into the chat rooms on AOL. That was a big time for me. I yeah. I mean, I remember uh, in like 1989 working at the the campus newspaper in college, and we had Apple computers. I mean, we had the whole uh, campus campus newspaper had yeah, it was all Apple computers, and they were all networked together. In fact, we named all the computers after the cast members of Cheers. That was (laughs) I swear I'm not making that up. And there was even like that one character that was in the later seasons, Paul, who had nothing to do. One of the computers was named. Paul. I mean, that's what we, just stupid. This like the least interesting Cheers character was one of the Apple computers. But I remember we, had, we learned how to program Basic, right? Yeah. We learned how to program it to make your name appear over and over again. But that that <laughs> yeah. was like computer science. It was like how to write the program that would make the computer say your name. Yeah, that was my last semester of college where I took Basic programming in college, and it was my math requirement, which I left to the very, very end. <laughs> and then I was so bad at it, Jackie that I actually, uh, I I was doing so poorly that semester that I decided to schmooze my basic programming teacher and I wrote an article about him and his, he had a, he owned like a train, like an actual, (laughs) like a, like a rail car that he would go and visit and restore on the weekends and stuff. So I said, you wrote a feature article to schmooze your teacher? (laughs) Yes, so I could pass. That's a true story. I that's amazing. I mean, you know, schmoozing works. And of course it worked that time because I didn't know jack shit about basic programming coming out of that semester. I knew absolutely nothing and I ended up <laughs> skating by with a D. So that's that's my uh, my Apple story. Okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, 75 days since the Republicans allowed the chip program to expire. We want to we want to mention this every show that leaves 8.9 million kids without health care. Maybe this will happen. Maybe it it probably won't, actually. It probably oh, good on happen. Doug Jones for bringing it up, though, during his acceptance speech. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. brought up reauthorizing CHIP. So, you know, I think the more we talk about it and the more it, it makes the news in some capacity, the better off we are at putting pressure on Congress to do something about it. I mean, right. I mean, before we get into net neutrality, let's yeah, let, let's talk about uh, what happened in Alabama. Alabama uh, the other day, which was oh, just... thank you, Alabama, for proving that you're better than Alabama. <laughs> That's right, and specifically, thank you, uh, African American Alabamians for yes. for actually delivering that state and delivering us uh, a fifty-one yes. to forty-nine uh, balance of power Save in the, the Senate. Day. 
huge deal. Uh, and, and this is, I mean, you, all you have to do is look at the exit polls and see that it was African-Americans, uh, African-American uh, women who did this, who uh, made this possible. Yeah, they did. Yeah, defying uh, all of the voter suppression, defying the long lines and the lack of voting machines, specifically in African-American districts. This was just the biggest deal uh, since, uh, God, since probably 2012. This is the biggest election day maybe since 2012, I would imagine. I mean, as far as uh, uh, pushing forward a, a momentum for the Democratic Party in a way that I think is really going to sustain itself. I was really concerned coming out of uh, last month's election the uh, state and local elections. I was really concerned. Like, it's still a year. I mean, a lot. Yeah, a lot can happen in a year from from Trump winning until uh, a year later and the Democrats starting to take over at the state level. But can that momentum sustain? And I really believe at this point, because of Doug Jones's victory in Alabama, that this is a sustainable amount of momentum that can keep pushing us forward. Now, does that mean that the midterms are a cinch? Well, no, of course not. We don't want to get happy. We don't want to uh, get complacent moving into uh, the midterm election year. Uh, but you know what? All of the numbers are moving in the right direction. We have a record number. I think right now it's about, I, I think, 204 challengers, uh, on, at least on the House side, lined up right now uh, uh, for the Democrats to, uh, to run in the midterms. Plus... The Democratic Party is is poised in a way that I haven't seen it in a long time for a major, major sweeping victory. And yeah, but we have an incredible talent for mucking it up. Yeah, that's absolutely We have that's an incredible right. talent for taking yeah. a gift and turning it into a liability. And I, I fear that there will be some sort of uh, repeat of the Sanders-Clinton infighting, or there'll be a huge messaging faux pas, or there'll be uh, a lack of enthusiasm and a failure to get out the vote. I mean, whatever it is that we've managed to do in the past that totally screws it up for us when yeah. things should be on our side uh, is exactly what will happen if we're not diligent about it. So exactly. I, I worry that all of this discussion now about how good we may have it is going to be exactly what it it exactly what does us in yeah i mean because there's a sense of complacency in the democratic party from time to time where it's like well (laughs) things are so crappy that we've got this one in the bag so let's put in a minimal amount of effort and i've you know i've heard some prominent democrats have conversations about messaging and strategy and i'm like oh god no don't do that (laughs) right just don't don't go with that like that's not your winner like let's let's go maybe we should go on the internets from time to time and see what people are talking about yeah yeah it's like so so far removed from the language and the conversation. And I'm not saying all the important conversations happening on the internet, but it's certainly, there's more conversation happening online that's more relevant than what's happening in the halls of Congress. Mm -hmm, And so these people need to have some conversations uh, with some real people about what the messaging should be. Exactly right. And you know what, though? I feel more confident in Democratic Party leadership today than I have maybe since 2006 or 2008, somewhere around there. Because right now, I think I think Tom Perez and Keith Ellison are doing a hell of a job at the DNC. I think mm-hmm. the DCCC is lining up a huge number of challengers, too, on, on their end of things. I mean, we learned uh, the other day that the Democrats, for the first time in uh, decades, possibly, are running candidates in every single congressional district in Texas, which is a huge deal because typically, 
I, and we've seen this in Alabama, too, in Senate races in Alabama, where the Democrats don't even bother to put up a candidate in some of these races. And, and now they're actually going forward and doing that because they're discovering, hey, you know what? Maybe if we run someone, they might have a chance of winning. <laughs> That's a novel yeah. idea. If we actually yeah. put someone on the ballot, people will vote for that person. And that was the case, of course, in, uh, in Alabama with, with Doug Jones, uh, where they didn't just put a placeholder Democrat. They put a, a Democrat in that, uh, in that slot who has actually done things that are good for Alabamians, certainly good for African-American voters in Alabama. I think there is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity to harness uh, the women's movement right now and get more women running for Congress or getting more women mm -hmm. running for uh, a state and local elections, too. And it couldn't be more important. I mean, I can't well, We have a fundamental that. problem. We need to make wanting to be in public service appealing again. That's right. We have to make wanting to be a government uh, official or wanting to be a public servant something that people really want to do. Yeah. Because right now it's a fundraising job. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're dragged through the mud and your reputation is under the microscope. And I think the way our society has changed uh, because of the nature of the Internet, which, you know, it makes everything more accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, people's entire social history is available online. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, intrusion into people's private lives. And uh, there are lots of opportunities to get... Um, outed, for lack of a better word, for things that you do in your off time Yeah, uh, that I think people are hesitant to get into public service. And there's some really good people who this, like we look at it, here's the analogy I like to make, or at least the comparison, is that never in a million years, years and years ago, would somebody who smoked pot be uh, <laughs> be allowed to run for public office, mm -hmm. right? Like that would be a disqualifying factor. Oh, yeah. uh, and you look at some of the sexual scandals of the past and that kind of thing where they were disqualifying. Now... We're much more lenient with what we allow in somebody's, you know, past as far as allowing them to run for public office, um, which is fine because we've just become a more lenient society, right. which is which is okay. But there are plenty of people I think who would make really good public servants who are afraid of what might come out about what they've done before they became a public servant. And I'm not talking about bad stuff necessarily. I'm just talking about personal stuff. Yeah. And so I think it precludes people from wanting to to expose themselves to that sort of scrutiny and that level of personal intrusion. On top of that, the amount of money, it makes it cost prohibitive for uh, people who would probably be very good in public service to be able to serve. Oh, yeah, and even uh, worse and than that, Jackie, is the fact that now we've got an alt-right movement, a uh, white supremacist movement, that isn't afraid to go after people personally, who isn't afraid to go and stick uh, Pepe the Frog printouts under people's doorsteps as methods of intimidation and to, to right. attack them personally online and to dox them and to, in right. fact, as we saw with Chuck C. Johnson this week, to actually fabricate an entire uh, scandal, scandal around uh, mm -hmm. an elected politician, in this case Chuck Schumer, that is entirely bogus, but which has to be swatted down and has to be addressed. And then, of course, you're going to get a lot of the faithful, a lot of the, the Trump disciples buying into that. So you have to you have to swat that down, too. And so right. that's yeah. And that's the whole that's the entirely new dynamic that we're living under. It's not so much actual legitimate scandals unless it's uh, you know sexual assault sexual predatory behavior uh, that we've been seeing 
But on top of that, we've got all of this bogus crap that's going on with these uh, these far right smear campaigns that are happening based in Breitbart and and Fox News Channel, and not even Robert Mueller is immune from that right now. So we'll get no. In- I mean that's that's dangerous. You know, I, I this reminds me of something, and I, it, it's a little bit of a segue because you and I've done a lot of conver- had a lot of conversation about the uh, sexual harassment allegations yeah. and and that that conversation and this Tavis Smiley thing. I don't know if you're familiar with what's oh, yeah. going on, yeah. um, you know, but it, it just reminds me of that because he's fighting it and he's saying that, you know, the investigation is, has been flawed and they haven't talked to him or what they did, but only under duress uh, and that, you know, there's not, there's nothing to this and, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what the answer is on this. Um, but it, this is what I feared, right, is he's come out and said this has gone too far uh, and, and he's fighting it and it, I wonder if we're not at, at this scary tipping point where there is... Uh, now this allegation of a blurred line between truth and fabrication. And then you put the truth at risk. And I think that's what's happening with the media right now is this call for fake news is very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, When when those lines get blurred and people start to feel like they don't know who they can trust, uh, and then it, it spills over into things like uh, the whole issue with women being able to come forward and report sexual uh, assault or harassment. Yeah. Uh, and then having someone say, no, we've crossed the line now. Uh, you, people don't know who to believe or, yep. or where it's blurred. Um, and I will say that no matter how many women come forward, there are exponentially more women who could and don't. Um, so the, the stats and the, uh, the facts as we know them tend to stack on the side of those who are doing uh, the exposing, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a, an occasional person who is uh, attacked unlawful or un, unreasonably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's it's all very it's all very shady now, and I I worry because we're starting to take the institutions that we trust and respect and lump them in with the ones that don't deserve any of our trust or respect. And I think that's going to be an unwelcome side effect of, uh, of, of a lot of women coming forward and telling the truth about their attackers. Uh, there are going to be fakers that are going to yes. arise too. And I think yeah. we need to take those cases on a case-by-case basis, which is what, what I think we're doing right now. I think people are, are not blindly just going along. I think we're taking every woman seriously but that doesn't necessarily m- mean buying every word of what they say hook line and sinker because we have to we still have to look at this with somewhat of an objective eye too but at the same time we do have to take them seriously and i think Correct. that that is a that is actually the trend but but meanwhile going back to uh, yes. uh the, sorry i didn't the, mean to get us off and i was just thinking about that in terms of the blurring of the lines oh, and yeah. how that's seeping into other aspects of our society at this point well of course it's all connected and what this is also connected to is the fact that we've got a republican party right now being run by Donald Trump, which is, and and one of the reasons why Roy Moore lost is I believe it's because they keep doubling down on being assholes. This is the Mm -hmm. party of assholes right now. The, the Republican Party, run by Donald Trump at this point, they are all assholes. And so they ran Roy Moore, who's a kind of a Trump clone insofar as he's got sexual assault allegations against him, insofar as he modeled some of his behavior after Donald Trump, whether it was defending Vladimir Putin when he was asked a question by Vice News, borrowing the Donald Trump, borrowing from the Donald Trump playbook as far as Putin goes, and, mm-hmm. and all kinds 
lines about refusing to concede, that's right out of the Donald Trump playbook. Refusing to concede the election after everyone, including Fox News, has called the election for Doug Jones and after being able to see that the vote margin is 21,000 votes, which is far greater than the 0.5% that they need for a recount. Uh, and, and we're seeing this kind of behavior uh, more and more as we go into the midterms. We, I can guarantee to you that we are going to see one Trump clone after another throwing their hat into the ring and running on the Republican side in the midterms because they are so tethered to the idea of let's just be assholes, let's just survive entirely on quote-unquote liberal tears and move forward like that, and they are going to make things far worse for themselves. Donald Trump tweeted the other day, uh, in the wake of Doug Jones's victory, he said, if last night's election proved anything, it proved that we need to put up great, in all capital letters, Republican <laughs> candidates to increase the razor-thin margins in both the, both the House and Senate. Now, what that means, when Donald Trump talks about candidates who are great, he's talking about making America great again. He's talking about Trump candidates, Trump-approved right. candidates, candidates who kind of resemble Donald Trump, maybe not in terms of the cartoon hair and clown makeup, but in terms of their politics and how they behave. Because it's really, with Trump, it's not so much. Politics is a much smaller percentage of what Trump is all about. He's really about being an asshole. Yeah. And yeah. now I'm like, and, he's about himself. I mean, that's right. like Trump is a special breed of asshole. <laughs> yeah. That right? is I mean, there are true. people. Yeah. I mean, there are people within the Republican Party and within his administration who have this sense of how they want society to be. And I think yeah. that their agenda is is detrimental and disgusting and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Trump is his own breed. Right. Trump yeah. is about Trump. Uh, the narcissism, the 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 ego, the the self preservation, and the money. Yeah, like, that's ca- it. Like that's all. He's got no vision of how society should be. He doesn't give a shit. No, no. I call it cruel whimsy. He's all about yeah. cruel whimsy. Just acting in terms of retribution, getting uh, revenge against his enemies. Yeah, ma- making but his it's enemies all upset. very very personal. Yes. Like there's there's no like Trump doesn't see outside of that sphere. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the differentiation. I think people like Stephen Miller and and uh, Steve Bannon and and Paul Ryan and you know these guys who have this like utopian version of of like this autocratic society and mm-hmm. screw the poor and you know however these people feel uh, borderline Aryan nation I'm sure on, <laughs> on, on, in some regards uh, but I don't even think Trump gets that far. Yeah. Like, you really don't. I think if it doesn't impact him personally, he doesn't care. Well, what's going to be really entertaining is to see the, uh, the, the you know, I put this in quotes, uh, the normals on the Republican side versus the Trumpers on the Republican side. And we're going to start seeing this more and more often as we move our way through the early months of the midterm year, uh, 2018. And one of the ways we've seen this manifesting itself is... Uh, just yesterday, Peter King, Congressman Peter King, who's always got something to say about anything, uh, <laughs> referred to Steve Bannon as looking like some disheveled drunk who wandered onto the political stage. <laughs> that was amazing. And you know what shocked me about that is I was watching last night uh, the 11th hour with Brian Williams, and I forget who was on because I was in the other room and I just I heard this in the background. One of his guests, one of Brian Williams' guests, said last night that Bannon doesn't drink. Wrong. And that, oh come on! I know. I mean, that shocked the hell out of me. I was like, "If anyone, I don't believe that." <laughs> I know. I, I thought, "What does he mean? 
doesn't drink today, <laughs> doesn't yeah. doesn't drink anymore. Because how can you po- how can you possibly look at Steve Bannon and go, yeah, that guy's totally clean? And, and you know, even Steve Bannon said, uh, I think it was on sixty Minutes when he was on uh, after he left the White House that he was going to do a cleanse and do all of these detoxing things. And that indicated to me that he's on something. Now, if it isn't alcohol, then it's like meth. Or I have no proof whatsoever of Steve Bannon's substance abuse habits, but just looking at the guy, it's, it's yeah, obvious. Yeah, I don't. Right. I mean, he oozes booze. <laughs> he oozes booze. That's exactly <laughs> right. He sweats like grain alcohol. Yeah, you know that's the guy in class next to you who just reeks from the night before. Like that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, assuming he went to some sort of fitness class. I know, I know he doesn't, but I'm saying if you were going to make the fitness class analogy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, if anyone drinks, it's Steve Bannon. I mean, but compared, Steve Bannon doesn't drink. What do you mean compared to what? That is not a healthy-looking man. No, definitely not. And, you know, ultimately, it's going to be Steve Bannon who is going to be the centerpiece of running the pro-Trump candidate show next year. Yeah, but I also think that, that they have the potential to totally marginalize him. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think that if they grew a spine... I said a long time ago, like, the first Republican who stands up to Trump is, is going to have, like, a, he's going to be remembered well in history, yeah. right? Like, ha- history will have a, a, will speak highly. That's what it was. It was history will speak highly of the, the first men to stand up to Trump. Yeah. And, and, I, and I say men because we know the women are standing up to him, but I meant the men in the Republican Party, right? Um, I think the, the problem is that they're sort of mushily standing up. Like <laughs> McCain gives a speech and Flake gives a speech and Graham says something. And then Graham goes off and touts his golf club, his uh, golf courses. And, and, you know, McCain votes in favor of the tax bill. And so does Flake. You know, yeah. it's like they're, they're kind of half-assing it. Right. So I think when the Republicans grow a pair and decide that this is not what they want their party to be and they're willing to act on it, then they can marginalize Bannon. Yeah. But until then, he's going to keep going because nobody's actually stopping him. Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. They're, they're in the process right now of making what I believe is a slow transition, which in the past week or so, we have seen many Republicans, including Richard Shelby, the other senator from Alabama, standing up against Trumpism right now. And, and it's slowly happening one by one. They're starting to line up. But at the same time, they're still voting with Trump. So there's that. They need to break with that, too. But, uh, but I guess we can't have all of our Christmas presents on the same, on the same day. We're going to spread them out like Hanukkah now. <laughs> we're going to have the seven months of abandoning Trump. And, uh, oh, I will, I will add this little anecdote because I think it's relevant and funny. Is that So my, my boyfriend's Catholic, comes from a big Catholic family. And you're, you're uh, Jewish, too. So, so and happy, I'm Jewish. I was Hanukkah. raised Jewish. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not at practicing, um, which is a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when his kids found out that I, I'm Jewish and I celebrate Hanukkah, there was a huge push for eight presents, right? There was this whole like, <laughs> oh, because you're Jewish, do we now get... I'm like, there's three of you? Yeah. I'm not doing 24 presents. I love you, but no, we'll do Christmas. We'll do, we'll do one <laughs> gift each, yeah. and we'll go with that. Like, I, I love this new enthusiasm for my religion of birth, but we're not doing, we're not doing 24 gifts. You know, Jackie, my attorney, is a Jew. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
That was amazing. That was that. amazing. And yeah, I love the look on her face. Kayla Moore. I love the look My on her face. My attorney's a Jew. Yeah, she smiles and leans into the microphone as if, look what I just said. And that's like, I have a black friend. I, just, I, know, a bl- I know a black. I mean, when you say I have a Jew. <laughs> I have a Jew. Oh my God. And then when you say it like that, it's like Trump says he grew up in Queens so he knows Puerto Ricans. Yeah. It's like the whole lot of them. Like it's so offensive. It's all so offensive. Yeah. And she's she's sitting there going as if to say, I won. I won. You all of you might as well just shut up with the anti Semitic stuff. I won this argument because my attorney is a Jew. That's just so tone deaf and so utterly outside of anything that is decent. And not the least bit stereotypical. Right, totally. (laughs) So anyway, so you were talking about Hanukkah and gift. Oh no, just I thought it was super funny. They were like, We're gonna we're gonna get (laughs) one up on her. Now we all get presents for eight days. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. Okay, so and now and now we're going to have uh, eight, eight months of transitioning over from uh, supporting Donald Trump to completely abandoning him. So hopefully that will be. I the, don't know. Uh, I mean, when does it like when does it get bad enough for them? Like when he goes, this is the crazy thing, right? He goes all in on Roy Moore and then the RNC is like, okay, we're back. Yeah. Yeah. If like, th- they will forever, I hope forever be known as the party that backed the child molester. Yeah, yeah, and that's the one thing. I mean, this was... Congratulations. You as the RNC have backed the pedophile. Yeah, this election in... Alabama! ...has had so (laughs) many... Uh, repercussions out of all of this. It was a lose-lose for the Republicans. And I don't think Trump realized it. I don't think the party establishment realized it. Because if Roy Moore had won, that would have been a victory for the Democrats. And if Roy Moore loses, that's also a victory for the Democrats. Because no matter what the outcome would have been, we can still say that the Republican Party is soft on child rape. And that yeah, is a, exactly that is a thing. Win or lose for the Republicans. So, did you see the video interview he did with the twelve-year-old girl? Uh, you know what? I couldn't bring my. I saw the thumbnail of it, and I just couldn't bring myself to look at it. Was it? What happened? Did, did he say? Anything no, I mean weird? I didn't watch the whole thing. But looking at the two of them sitting there, all you have to think is he hit on someone two years older than her. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's a baby. And the fact that he thought in his 30s it was appropriate to have a sexual relationship or attempt to have a sexual relationship with somebody two years older than that little girl. I mean, just the visual of that drives home how disgusting this is and how disgusting it is that the Republican Party would officially support him. Yeah, and and on top of that, we have videotape of Donald Trump saying something really, really untoward to a uh, 10-year-old girl, saying, you know what, I'm going to be dating you soon, he said to a 10-year-old girl, on videotape inside Trump Tower. I mean, it's just a remarkable thing that this is just one of the many... Uh, uh, tennis balls that have flung at our faces that we, we tend to forget. That, oh, there. Oh, oh, you mean he prop, <laughs> prop, prop, propositioned a 10-year-old girl? Oh, there's that. Oh, and by the way, he said <laughs> a, a sitting United States senator was offering sexual favors in exchange for campaign contributions. So we get that, too. And, and we tend to forget. I mean, we're, that, it's been completely annihilated out of our collective memories that he said that about uh, Kirsten Gillibrand the other day. Uh, and, that and was gross. And yeah. the fact that they tried to play that off as it wasn't a sexual innuendo. Yeah, it was just so disgusting. And I keep going back to the fact that it was really more of a brag than anything else for Donald Trump, as if to say, 
Chris, Kirsten Jill, and I keep wanting to say Kristen Gillibrand. Forgive me for that. I, it's Kirsten Gillibrand. Kept wanting to have sex with me, Donald Trump, because I'm such an amazing guy when it comes to, you know, sex. That is just like, hey, look at her, look at me, everybody. Kirsten Gillibrand, the sitting United States senator, and she's not too bad looking. She wanted to have sex with me. Am I not? Yeah, nobody the- wants to have sex with him. I like that's, know. I mean, I'm sure that back in the day when he was younger and uh, had some, some, uh, some, I don't know, like fame in New York. Because, you know, I've seen pictures of him and he was out and about and there were plenty of women that were around him and yeah. dated him. And, you know, like I'm sure there was some bravado there and he was probably just one of those random douchebags that you meet in New York <laughs> when you're out and about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I lived there for six years. I know them well. Uh, I get that, but you're a 70-year-old man now, and you're disgusting, and you've proven over the last however many years that you're completely disgusting on every level, like emotionally, morally bankrupt, you're a huge fat liar. I mean, we all know these things about you, and they all, (laughs) that all weighs in, right? So it's not like he's a good-looking man. It's not like he's a charismatic man. It's not like he's an emotionally available man. It's not, there's nothing redeeming about him. Yeah. So the fact that he thinks that he's somehow wanted by women of the world is, is astonishing to me. On top of the fact that he needs like a team of Hollywood special effects supervisors and, and like Stan Winston to come by to put together his look every day. I mean, between sw- swirling that golem hair around on his head to make him look like oh, Barney Rubble, God. then there's the clown makeup that has to be spread on his face then there are the ill-fitting suits and let us not forget all of the teeth that keep falling out <laughs> during his speeches and god bless yeah. the united states that's right uh, that happens too so you can only imagine what donald trump looks like when he wakes up in the morning with the hair all <laughs> fucked up know. and the, no and just like looking like a big bag of uh, raw sourdough laying there in bed <laughs> can't even imagine <laughs> Melania Trump waking up in the morning to that every day. Holy hell. That's got to be enough to uh, make you want to skip breakfast, I think. All right. uh, Speaking of food items, everyone loves Omaha Steaks. Got a tweet today from uh, a listener who uh, partook in Omaha Steaks for the holidays for all of their uh, gift-giving needs. Good news is the holidays are coming. The bad news is that gift giving is hard unless you go with Omaha Steaks. And they're my favorite, not only my favorite steaks in the world, but the greatest customer service you're going to ever get. And at the holiday season, when you're dealing with all kinds of hell in the malls and in the stores, you want someone to be able to help you out. And that's Omaha Steaks. What's a great gift when you're stuck? It's steaks for the holidays. Your, your gifts will arrive just at the right time for just the right price with no hassle and no trips to the mall. And right now, because you listen to my show, you can get the the family gift pack at a savings of 75%. For just $49.99, here's what you get. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, and a packet of Omaha steak seasoning. A tartlet? Yeah. You get tartlets? Tartlets. My favorite tartlets and my favorite potatoes au gratin. Because I just like mm. I just like to say au gratin. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, you know it's it's so amazing to to be able to give this kind of a gift to uh, your friends and family because you never know when someone's going to stop in. You know, some of your friends from uh, 
the next state over pop in for the holiday. Hey, we're here. And you go, oh, crap, what do I feed these people? If you've got Omaha steaks in the freezer, you're all set. And again, because you listen to this show, you get a four, get four extra kielbasa sausages for free. But to get this amazing gift at the amazing price of $49.99, to get the 75% discount, you have to use my code. Just type B-O-B-C in the search bar at omahasteaks.com. I've had Omaha Steaks many, many times and love them, and I've gotten compliments on my grill skills thanks to Omaha Steaks. They have an extensive menu including premium aged beef, pork, lamb, poultry, and seafood, but Omaha Steaks also has sauces and seasonings, appetizers, soups, veggies, pasta, and desserts, all made with the highest quality ingredients and 100% guaranteed, and they have over five, uh, 500 other gourmet gift ideas. Right now, the family gift package is $49.99, Jackie. If you enter the code B-O-B-C in the search bar at omahasteaks.com, give the best gifts ever with steaks and more from Omaha Steaks. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Happy Holidays. All right, Jackie Schechner from InvestigateRussia.org is here today. All right, we haven't even gotten into the uh, meat and potatoes of what happened today, which is uh, the FCC voted 3-2 to two to repeal the Obama-era rule preserving net neutrality. And just to, uh, to quote Grandpa Munster on the old Howard Stern show, Fuck the FCC! Thank you very much. And I'm sure Omaha Steaks is going to be happy to hear that coming right out of their commercial. How to lose sponsors. So please, for God's sake, go buy a bunch of Omaha Steaks right now so I can get away with saying fuck the FCC right out of a commercial for Omaha Steaks. Okay, so uh, the good news is, um, and there isn't a whole lot of good news here, but the, the narrow, thin, silver lining of good news here is a bunch of states are going to be challenging this ruling. We've got uh, California, District of Columbia, uh, mm-hmm. Hawaii, uh, Iowa, Illinois, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, Mississippi, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Virginia, Vermont, and Washington. This is a, uh, let's see here if I can open this uh uh, this letter here in a much larger size. Let us see here. I can't, you know what? I can't read this letter. It's too small. I'm so old. I'm so old. There was a letter written to uh, uh, Chairman Pai, Chairman Ajit Pai, which is mm-hmm. the, <laughs> to quote Buzz Burbank, that's the worst kind of pie. Um, written to uh, Ajit Pai from all of these uh, state attorneys general. Uh, to hopefully stop this or uh, to at least roll it back. So we'll see what happens with all of that. I'm not particularly hopeful right now because as we've been talking about for for so many months now, this is not about doing what's right or wrong or doing what reasonable people want. This is about being assholes. This is why they're doing this. it doesn't make any sense. And, And the crazy thing about this is like, you know, everyday people complain out. You know, it's hard to get on the internet. Internet's slow. Like whenever your connection is bad, yeah, people are like, "Oh, my connection's terrible." Like we so rely on the internet, yeah, and having having the internet and be open and available. Like it's such a fabric of our society, yeah. That to then roll back the the regulations that allow it to stay that way doesn't. 
it, it, it's so counter to what we as, as a society want and need. Well, the thing that I keep going back to, Jackie, is the fact that this isn't reserved just for Hillary Clinton voters. This, this is going to impact everybody. everybody. Yeah. Trump voters, Republicans, conservatives, mm -hmm. uh, Breitbart. It's gonna, you know what? This is going to affect Breitbart.com. This is going to affect Infowars and PrisonPlanet.com. These websites could get throttled. I mean, imagine if so, you know a uh, a wealthy but liberal CEO takes over, for example, Comcast, uh, and then suddenly that person is exerting their politics in terms of who gets the fast lane on the internet and who gets the slow lane, and then suddenly mm -hmm. uh, be because so and so doesn't like Alex Jones, suddenly Alex Jones gets a slow lane. Suddenly, congressional candidates and their websites. Uh, running for uh, election or re-election, suddenly they get the slow lane. Yeah, if you like how money controls your politics, you're going to love how it controls your internet access. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. And that's just, I mean, and again, this door swings both ways. It is just mm -hmm. absolutely staggering. It goes back to uh, uh, many other things that the, the conservative uh, movement wants and, and is desiring, but which is completely baffling. For example, they want to erase the wall of separation between church and state. Well, guess what? If church is allowed to interfere in government, then government's going to be allowed to interfere in church in that case. Mm. So that's the that's the, the 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 big conflict, the big contradiction in that position. And the same goes for net neutrality. You roll back the rules about net neutrality uh, implemented by the Obama administration. Suddenly, it's everybody. Everybody is thrown into a big pool of chaos. And mm -hmm. essentially, what this is going to do, it's going to turn uh, the internet into and this is the worst case scenario. It's going to turn the internet into the shittiest versions of cable television, the shittiest things about cable television. That's what we're talking about here, where there are tiers and packages. And it's not just you get internet access and then you can go to any website. It's going to be you get internet access up to this speed and will only include these premium sites. You will only get Netflix at this speed or Amazon Prime yeah. at that speed or Infowars at this really much slower speed. So if you want to see Infowars, you're going to have to get on board at a speed that's the equivalent of a, you know, a modem from 1998. I mean, I'm just making up that's a, just an example, but that is that is what we're talking about here. So I'm hoping that Ajit Pai, the chairman of the FCC, ends up with a really, really slow lane from now on. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, the problem with net neutrality, too, is the naming is is confusing and people don't understand what it is or why it matters. And it's happening. I mean, it really was a vote three to two, right? So it's yeah. the five FCC commissioners. It's down party lines. I understand that Attorney General Eric Schneiderman is is coming out full force against it, that there were uh, millions and millions of fake comments on the public comment site that was mm -hmm. opened up to receive public remarks yeah. uh, on the process. I mean, there's no, it's sort of a unilateral decision, right? You've got, you've got three Republicans making this choice, and it, it's going to impact everybody in the country who uses the internet. Yep, absolutely. And again, it's going to impact Republicans just as much as, as it's going to impact Democrats. And it, it, the same goes for the uh, this tax scam bill, for example. They're talking yeah. about now, uh, and this is just as an aside, what they're talking about now is allowing the tax cuts for middle-class families to expire earlier than the tax cuts for the wealthy and for corporations. And that's not just 
families who voted for Hillary Clinton, that's families who voted for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and John uh-huh. McCain and Mitt mm-hmm. Romney and so on. This is, there is no partisan bias in terms of the impact of decisions like this. It's the same thing with the health care fight, yeah. right? I mean, all of these people who were like screaming against the Affordable Care Act and yet calling it Obamacare, most of those were people who benefit from it. They just didn't take advantage of the opportunities to do so because they weren't informed. They didn't know that they could get affordable access to affordable health insurance because they qualified for subsidies. That's right. They didn't understand that, you know, if they lost their job, they still had access to health insurance because the exchanges were available. They didn't understand that they were now allowed to get insurance due to pre-existing condition, no longer having pre-existing condition exclusions. Right. You know, there were, there were all of these parameters uh, that benefit the people who were screaming and hollering that they wanted to get rid of it because it was attached to the black man. You yep. know, I mean, that's, and, and to tell me that it isn't racial is, is ridiculous. I mean, there's no other reason, right? Because... Nope. It, you know, it had the president's name on it, uh, which was a huge mistake in, mm-hmm. in PR land. Um, but there's no other reason because these people were then screaming against something that was helping them. And it's yeah. the same thing with this tax. Although I will say that, you know, the tax bill is so wildly unpopular amongst everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't understand why. I mean, I know why Trump's pushing it through because he hasn't read it. He has no idea what's in it. And he thinks it's just going to be a W for him. Yeah. But I, I don't understand like why Republicans think that their constituents are going to applaud this move. Yeah, I don't think they care. I think this is the same reason why the Republicans filibuster reasonable gun control legislation that's supported by like 85% of NRA members. It's the same justification. It's it's never about their voters anymore. It's it's about well, it is partly because doing this will will allow their voters to have some sort of weird ass backwards Schadenfreude where they say, "Ha ha ha, look at the liberals are crying." Ha, ha, ha. And and they get that. But then they also get the donors, and that's what this uh, tax scam it's bill about is all the donors. about. And yeah. that's how you, why you have to get money out of politics. Yeah. I mean, until you have campaign finance reform, you're not really going to change anything. And I, you know, I had an offer years ago to work on a, a campaign finance campaign, and mm. I was so exhausted after the healthcare fight that I just <laughs> didn't have it in me to. Sure. to and, I, and frankly, I was coming off a win, and I, I was like, this is a losing one. Like, I, I don't know how you fight this, but I do believe that we're getting to the point where it has to be critical mass because we're not going to get anything done until we get money out of politics. It's yep. just, it's just also controlled, and that's what this tax bill is. You're absolutely right. It is a huge, huge Christmas gift to the donor class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, 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 it, and it's at the expense of working Americans. Well, the good news on that front is it looks like Marco Rubio, at least at this point, is a no vote. Although I imagine that's going to change before they actually vote. Yeah, next, of course, next I don't trust any of them to stick by their to stick by their uh, assertions at this point. None of them are trustworthy. But again, going back to my thesis that this is the party of assholes now, the Republican Mm -hmm. Party, that Mm -hmm. they're they're not going to seat Doug Jones until after the the end of the month, until the new session begins. And, of course, this goes and reverses what, you know, the favor that the Democrats did for the Republicans uh, back in, what was it, 2000, I believe it was early 2010 when Scott Brown... Uh, mm-hmm. One in Massachusetts, they waited on voting on Obamacare until Scott Brown was seated. And I thought that was in keeping with the Senate. That's in keeping And where with, does it get you? Yeah. And where, where does it get you? That's the thing, is that nowhere. we are so devolved into into this, yeah. this hole of like bad 
juju. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, what does it get you? Like, taking the moral high ground and being better is great, and I am all for it. Yep. But in our current political environment, it gets you nowhere, and we just keep losing and losing and losing. And we can say that we're better people, but the way the system operates, it's not getting us anywhere. Yeah. So you've, you've got to make a fundamental change to the system where being an asshole doesn't get you ahead. <laughs> yeah, but the, the upside is, though, I think the advantage of that strategy, though, is I think we're seeing a backlash against being assholes. I think what's I happening hope so. is... I mean, I it, hope so. In Alabama, people rose up and said, you know what, we're tired of Trumpism, we're tired of the Republican Party being assholes, and at least that's what... African-American voters were thinking when they went to the, their polling places on Tuesday. Uh, certainly not what white people were thinking. And again, I, I just want to make perfectly clear, on behalf of white people, I'm terribly, terribly sorry. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, white people. Get your shit together, white people. This is insane. You, you are letting the worst things out of the Pandora's box that is Trump's beclowned face to, uh, to, to, to run the show here. And there is going to be such a, a horrendous backlash. History is going to look back at this era and they're going to go, just going to like be, be like a Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Just that <laughs> head tilted back. <laughs> that kind of laughing at the expense of white people being just unmitigated morons with supporting Donald Trump. And there was just no excuse for the white for white people in Alabama to vote the way they voted. Well, I think it was only I think well, white men specifically. Good Lord, you want to talk about ground zero for the problem of everything that's happening in the United States right now. White men. <laughs> it's just just I mean when, yeah. uh, at sexy liberal uh, Saturday night in San Francisco. Oh yeah, how did that go? Oh, uh, that was great. It was so much fun. It was great seeing uh, Stephanie and, and John and Frangela again and, and hanging out with them and Yanira uh, backstage. It was it was a blast and and then you know I got up and I was the first person to talk uh, in on stage for the evening and and I felt the need. Oh, what, you did the intro. Yeah, I, I felt. Oh, the that's need. fun. I've done that. That's fun. It's lots of fun. And right off the bat, I just I felt like I had to let everybody know that even though I'm I'm a white middle-aged heterosexual man I mean them no harm I come in peace so that was, <laughs> that was like the first thing I had to say so that's very clever I will right, we'll take one last break and come back and we're going to talk about Paul Ryan right after these words this is great news you can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using bubble genius bath and body products See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska.
This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. All right, welcome back to our Thursday show. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for supporting the show at our Patreon page. Uh, Just a brief announcement along those lines. Patreon has decided to officially reverse their decision to change the fee structure in terms of who gets charged the credit card fees when credit cards are processed by by Patreon subscribers. Originally, what they were going to do is they were going to make subscribers uh, cover that fee, which would have meant like a $1 subscriber would have actually ended up paying $1.38 with the uh, credit card process. Yeah, it wasn't a decision. Yeah, it wasn't very popular among subscribers. I think uh, uh, creators were okay with it, more or less. But uh, I think uh, now we're all pissed because what happened was oh no, uh, Patreon made this decision, and then a bunch of subscribers dropped off. Said, you know what, I'm not going to pay that extra uh, credit card processing fee, and so they all skedaddled. And then we're sitting, as creators, we're all going, oh, shit, what the hell's going on? And then yesterday Mm. we found out that Patreon is reversing that decision, never having fully implemented it in the first place, but yet we all lost all of these subscribers in the process, and they're not even going to go forward with it uh, (laughs) at the end of the day. So it's kind of like everybody got screwed in in some way or form. So, and and for me, you know, I was kind of okay with it, and it was only for this reason. I understand the reasons why it was a bad idea in the first place. I I completely get that, and I sympathize with that. But at the same time, because of the new fee structure, which has now been killed, the new fee structure would have let creators keep 95 cents on the dollar, uh, as opposed to about 80 cents on the dollar, which was the original way it all worked. So Mm -hmm. uh, we would have gotten to our Wednesday show goal much more quickly, in the new fee structure, but they've rolled that back. So it's just the way it was before, which is fine, too. But again, we're minus a bunch of subscribers. God, Bob, it's so sexy when you talk process. (laughs) I know, isn't it? It's so awesome. It's so it's hilarious and informative, isn't it? Uh, I lost you somewhere around fee structure. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I start to bore and confuse myself, too. Like, I was trying to explain it on the post-mortem Basically, show. the bottom line is, if I want to sign up and get the Patreon, the show through Patreon, what do I do? Yeah, well... And how much do I pay? Just go to bobseska.com, click the all-caps Patreon link just beneath the logo, and then you can go and you could subscribe for $1 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or $15 a month, whatever you choose. You get different bonus features for those different subscription tiers and so on, and, and now I'm still boring myself so maybe no we it's good <laughs> <laughs> so do that and make sure to go shopping through our amazon link that's right the amazon link is back is it back i'm it's not back? i'm not saying anything else about it other than you should go shopping through our amazon link at bobseska.com please go and do that for all of your holiday shopping yes it's, it's it's back i what i did is i signed up i waited a month and then signed up for a new account so we'll see Got it. okay we'll see how that all works out um okay so it looks like this is kind of huge news it looks like Paul Ryan might be stepping down after the midterms. And, oh, and yeah, he might have to step down anyway because he might not be the Speaker of the House. Nancy Pelosi might be the Speaker of the House <laughs> after the midterms. But uh, even if the Republicans do win, I think he's going to leave Congress after the, after the midterms, at the very least stepping down out of being a, a Speaker of the House because I'm sure he's sick and tired of all the crazy people running the show. But, you Did know, he again, give a reason why? 
he's just exhausted with Washington, I think. I think he was reluctant. He is the problem in Washington, though. Yeah, I mean, I think... I he, mean, that's the best part. He's like, I'm sick of it all. I'm like, you are it. You're the problem. <laughs> right, right. Like, wherever you go, there you are, dude. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's Paul Ryan and the fact that he has enabled Donald Trump, that he's enabled the Freedom Caucus, formerly the Tea Party, and that's the problem across the board with the Republican Party. For the second time in eight years, they they have enabled this chimera of madness uh, that's to their far right. I- originally in, in 2009, 2010, they enabled the Tea Party and that turned into a disaster because, of course, the Tea Party turned on the establishment Republicans and started mm-hmm. to primary challenge them. And they got screwed that way. And then suddenly they jump into bed with the Trumpers in 2016 and that's screwing them now. So, you know what? You fucking idiots maybe you could get the clue that you shouldn't be enabling these fringe morons on the far right and maybe you should stick to your guns where you are at the center right maybe you should yeah they'd be so much more effective if they went back to the moderate republican i mean they just there are so many people who are disenfranchised uh and and there are i mean i you know i do know a lot of people who it's like don mccain of 2000 yeah right like the moderate reasonable republican did exist yeah I, I, they, they've since disappeared, uh, and now they're total wusses that suck up to the fringe right, but they did exist. And I think that they're still in hiding. I mean, there are, there are, there are many of them out there, and I think if they could band together and take back the party, they'd have some success. But yeah. as long as it continues down this road and they continue to kowtow to the, ban- the Bannon wing of the party, then they're, they're not going to get anywhere. It's not going anywhere good. Well, the good news is, is that the replacement for Paul Ryan, whether it's as minority leader, majority leader, Speaker of the House, whatever, the, his replacement is most likely to be... <sighs> This is going to be so great. Kevin oh, McCarthy. No. You remember Kevin oh, McCarthy? Great. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin McCarthy, I like the idea of Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy is fun. He is fun. And I'll tell you why he's fun. Why? In case you, in I'm, case I'm you, skeptical. In case you don't remember, Kevin McCarthy has a talking problem. <laughs> Not only does he blurt true things like uh, Putin only pays Trump and Rohrbacher, but he also says things that don't make any friggin' sense. This is, if you remember, this is Kevin McCarthy from a few years ago as he was in the process of running to become the next Speaker of the House, which eventually went to Paul Ryan. But this is when Kevin McCarthy was the front runner for Speaker of the House. It had to be hundreds of thousands of their grandchildren to make that decision. <laughs> we don't have the same as difficult decision. But this White House is managing the decline and putting us in tough decisions for the future. (laughs) Wait, what? Yes, that was actually Kevin McCarthy saying this White House is putting us in tough decisions of the future. That was was Kevin McCarthy. Here's another clip. This safe zone would create a stem of flow of refugees, unlike during the surge in Iraq. when Petraeus and Crocker had an effective politically strategy. That's, by the way, that's politically strategy. Politically strategy? Politically strategy. To match the military strategy. To match the military strategy. We have isolated Israel while bolding places like Iran. Bolding? Bolding places like Iraq. Ah, Yeah, that's right. Highlighting them and putting them in bold. Bolding. Supposed to italicizing places like Iraq, I guess. Absence of leadership over the past six years 
has had a horrific consequences all across the globe. A horrific, <laughs> a horrific consequences. Oh, this is this is fun. I told Keep this you, one going. I told you, Kevin McCarthy's a barrel of laughs. In the past few years alone, I have visited Poland, Hungary, Hungary, Hungary. He, he's visited Hungary, Poland, and Hungary. Hungary. That's right. I have visited Poland, Hungary, Estonia, Russia, and Georgia. <laughs> oh no! I love, I love Kevin McCarthy. Please, Kevin McCarthy for major- minority leader. That's oh, no. that's what it's I like want. They don't have any power, and it's just sheer entertainment. It's yes. when these people have control that it terrifies me. That's right. And again, again, don't forget. He stepped out of a meeting with Paul Ryan and Republican leadership on the House side. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, I think, is he not? I want. He's either the minor, He's either the majority leader right now in the House, or I think he's the majority whip. And I forget exactly which position he's in. But they were in a meeting, and they stepped out of that meeting, and the entire press pool is standing there. And Kevin McCarthy's standing there next to Paul Ryan, and he turns to Paul Ryan and says, you know, Putin only pays Dana Rohrbacher yeah. and Donald Trump. Oh, uh-huh. oh, I was just joking. Oh, oops. And yeah, it was, uh, I think it was actually it was audio that leaked. It was in the oh. it was actually in the meeting and the audio leaked <laughs> and he made a joke. It's I, we put it up on the site. It said investigate Russia. Yeah. Um I have to find it. Uh, I, I, but it was it had McCarthy some, said it and yeah. it was they were talking about uh, the fact that I mean, look, you know, you got to learn all about Dana Rohrbacher, and you can go to our site to do that because I got a full profile of him up there. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's true. I mean, McCarthy said what's true. You know, it's like uh, he only pays Putin. Only you know, he's like I feel like Putin pays two people, Rohrbacher and Trump. And, yeah. <laughs> and he he means it. He just won't say it publicly. Yeah. So that's why he claimed it was a joke. That's right. And then uh, and then later on, he's going to go visit Hungary, the, the, the nation yeah, state well. of Hung- Hungary. You know all Hungria. the. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Please let it be Kevin McCarthy. Okay, uh, before we wrap up, I want to talk about this real quick. The USA Today editorial board had the greatest editorial about Donald Trump ever written. I'm sorry, I'm just going to like give up now. This was actually great, what they said about uh, Donald Trump in defense of Kirsten Gillibrand the other day. And, and what's amazing about this is the USA Today editorial board leans right. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake, this is a more conservative editorial board. And among the many things that they said about Donald Trump, the most salient quote from the article from the editorial was, quote, a president who would all but call Senator Kirsten Gillibrand a whore is not fit to clean the toilets in Barack Obama's presidential library or to shine the shoes of George W. Bush. (laughs) Fucking well written. Fantastic. Well said. That's right. So good job, USA Today. And uh, and finally, Omarosa has been fired. You know who I could care less about? Nobody. <laughs> I, I, I forgot she was in the administration. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even know when they were like, she's fired. I was like, oh, she's there? I, I just, I couldn't give two shits about that woman yeah. or what it is she claimed to have done there. And the fact that she's now on some sort of speaking engagement post getting fired. She should have, shouldn't have been there in the first place. And now she's trying to play the like, I was the lone black woman. Like yeah. nobody gives a shit about you or what you're claiming to be because you did nothing for the African-American community. You were not a representative of the African-American community. Your boss hates black people. He's hated black people his entire life. 
I'm sorry. I, I get riled up over this because she's just trying to ride her 15 minutes of fame. Uh, and, you know, she wrote it into a cushy taxpayer funded job. Yep. And, and now that she's been let go, it's like, oh, boo hoo. I've seen things. I've heard things. I, nobody cares. Yeah. What are nobody we gonna, cares. What are we going to do, Jackie, without Omarosa standing there on the watchtower guarding the, uh, <laughs> the United States? It's going to be, we're, we're so doomed now because Omarosa's I hate women like that. Yeah. I just, I despise people like that. I hate women like that. She's as repulsive as the man she worked for. So, but she's going to do a uh, tell-all. She's planning to blab everything. She said today that she's uh, she's seen a lot of things happening in the yeah, White House. Yeah, she's seen things. Yeah. yeah, she took the job. She sat there. She said nothing. <laughs> I have zero sympathy for her. All right. Well, you know what? We're wrapping up just a, a teeny tiny bit early because I, I I just I'm worried about your strep throat, Jackie. So we're gonna. I'm so glad I told you not to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you shouldn't do that. It's like, uh, it's like a Stephanie Miller. Like, you're the reason I'm not running for office. <laughs> That's right. Oh, God. All right. So uh, just a brief programming note. No after party tomorrow. There will not be an after party tomorrow. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I have to go. I have to go somewhere. I have to see my, my mom. Have things? Yeah, I, I got things. I got things I got to do. You got a thing. You got to see a guy about a thing. I see a guy about a thing. Uh, actually, my mom is flying to uh, to, oh, nice. to California, and so I have to fly to an, another part of California Oof. to meet up with her because she decided to fly to a place in California that I, it's just like five hours away from me by car. Oh. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna get in a little tiny like uh, holy shit! I can't believe I'm on this little tiny like airplane. Like a puddle with, jumper, yeah. Yeah, with propellers and everything. A slingshot. Yeah, yeah no, I yeah. got gotcha. you. So that's what I'm going to be doing uh, tomorrow. But we'll be back. a prayer. Yep. We're going to we're going to have a, uh, a holiday blowout next week on the after party, and of course next week on both of the uh, the free shows. Buzz Burbank on Tuesday, and then Jody Hamilton on Thursday. Oh, fun! So yeah, Je- drunk Jeff Goldblum or no? Jeff, no. I mean, we've already we've passed that that tradition. Making an appearance though next week, it could possibly be, at which everyone's waiting for this. The money man. Who? The money man. That's right, Eddie Money. Oh. Not not in real life, of course. Uh, just his his holiday bummer. greeting. Yeah. I have, I have a holiday, All right. I have a holiday greeting from the money man. That's right, Eddie Money. And that's what he says. That's how he introduces himself in the holiday greeting. He says, hey, "It's the money man. That's right, Eddie Money." And so. Uh, yeah, because you wouldn't know if he didn't say it. Yeah, of course. That's right. And and it's become sort of a holiday tradition around here. It was one of the things that would make. Chez laugh out loud whenever I would, I would play it. So it's definitely going to be uh, in the offing next week. So those of you waiting for the appearance of the money man, that's right, Eddie Money for the holidays, uh, your wishes will come true. All right, see you on the other side. Bye-bye.